Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, I should have asked. How do you pronounce your last name? Oh, Trusky. T R E A. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Cool. All right. <laughs> awesome. Oh, also, um, you are with you're a co site expert for Behind the Bucks, and then you're a co-host of Win and Six podcast. Do you do anything else uh, covering the Bucks? Uh, that's that's just those two things. Okay. Okay. Cool. Just want to make <laughs> sure uh, I, I give you all the accolades and such that that you deserve. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> and we're joined by Jordan Tresky of Behind the Bucks and the Win and Six podcast. Jordan. How you doing today, man? Doing good. How about yourself? I'm great. Uh, again, I, I set it off mic a little bit, but uh, we greatly appreciate you stopping by. I know the world's kind of nuts right now, and um, and uh, I'm sure you're a busy guy, so we really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, another Eastern Conference team here with, with title aspirations is who we're talking about today. Of course, just a few days ago, we spoke with Adam Aronson of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, talking a little bit about the 76ers' interest in Drew Holiday. But today, we're talking a little bit about the Milwaukee Bucks and their possible moves this summer. This, I guess, not summer anymore, but this offseason for Drew Holiday. So, Jordan, how are you feeling about the Bucks right now? Uh, um, it's been better. <laughs> Let's just say that. It's been better. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, losing the way they did to the Heat, who kind of have, you know, obviously played above expectations all throughout the whole year and especially the playoffs. I mean, to lose in the fashion that they did to the Heat is uh, quite the gut punch to take in. And we're kind of, you know, that's what we're seeing all these questions about just the future. Obviously Giannis is at the center of it all, but just, you know, how do they, you know, get back to where they can contend for titles? Because, you know, windows close very, you know, sooner than, rather than later than you think. Right, absolutely. And I'm not sure if you saw in my bio, but I actually live in Madison, Wisconsin and cover the Pelicans. And um, I listen to the local sports talk shows and stuff like that. And I can tell Madison and, and Wisconsin in general is feeling some type of way about their bucks right now. <laughs> yes, that is. <laughs> I think that that applies to everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely just kind of, I don't know. It's It's a weird <laughs> feeling that everybody's been just fighting against, but it's we're here, this kind of DEFCON 3, 2, 1, whatever it is. It's, it's pretty – it's perilous, to say the least. Right. And a, a big piece of, of criticism that a lot of fans and, and media have offered on the Bucks' lack of success in the playoffs these last two years has been Mike Budenholzer, head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. Would you put more of the blame on Budenholzer or, or the players after the lack of success these last two years, and more specifically this year for the Bucks in the playoffs? It's an interesting question. I think what what makes this year or the, the, this collapse more different than, you know, losing four straight against the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals is, you know, this is more of like a systemic issue with the Bucks rather than, oh, like, you know, to lose four straight games anywhere is terrible, but especially at how they did in 2019. Like, they could make the case like, oh, if, this, if things went this way, if we didn't, you know, shoot 
the way that they did, how poorly it fell off a cliff that series. This this time around, it's it, you know it was it was just flat out their offense just kind of ground down to to this rut. Eric Bledsoe's playoff struggles are pretty well known, and you know this year was not any better by any exaggeration. Um, Giannis getting hurt, he's you know it's he sees the same wall every every playoff series, and it's you know the, the tougher the team that or more co- like cohesive the team, it's hard to break down as we saw against the Raptors the year before. But Bud's obviously not about blame. I mean, the whole minutes distribution, just kind of the question of, like, does Bud Ball really translate into the playoffs? And we saw the Hawks, you know, back to this time with the Hawks, they go to the Eastern Conference Finals after a 60-win season. A lot of the same parallels from with the Buck, his first year with the Bucks last year. And it was just kind of – I think from a, a, a Bucks fan perspective, I think the bloom is off the rose in terms of, like, we – you kind of see like first year it's like okay there's questions that were that came about from how he handled the the playoff run and specifically that Toronto series and to see that those those same concerns resurface and just kind of this disconnect from how the team just generally played uh just in the bubble but especially in the playoffs it was it's I think it's it's gonna certainly test Bucks fans patience in terms of what there they hoped bud to be you know coming out of the jason kid years right the the bubble certainly affected a lot of teams in a lot of different ways and it appeared the bucks really took the brunt of that after how well they were playing in the regular season but at the same time you got to look at Giannis, what he's been able to do in these last few years budenholzer's been a coach for a long time this team has a lot of veterans on it you got to figure it out when when you've been handed something like that and you're the one seed and i mean it's just become the truth that you really have to buckle down and play smart and play hard against the Miami Heat because they're going to find a way to win. And they were really structured to take on the the Bucks this off or this play. Oh my gosh, this <laughs> this postseason. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, they've historically been a, a team that gives the Bucks fits. Um, so it was kind of like the way that you know the, it shook out with Philly, kind of just you know. Going out the way they did, Indiana kind of again punching about their weight, but when it came time came down to the playoffs, it was kind of just like, you know, they get swept by the heat pretty easily. Um, so just kind of the way that things broke certainly didn't play in the, in the Bucks' favor. And, you know, it just kind of showed whether it was, you know, the, it's it's so strange to think of how everything played out because, you know, every game is played every other day. And it just kind of just feels like it's like done. But like just the fact that game three, they, they go through this fourth quarter collapse. I know that's been overshadowed by what happened with the Clippers, but like <laughs> that in itself was just like, how does this happen? You know what I mean? It was, it was kind of, I think the um, emblematic was just how the series played out, honestly. Right, right. It, it was just a tough series all in all for the Milwaukee Bucks from, from start to finish between them and the Miami Heat in the semifinals of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Now, with all that criticism of Bud, are you behind them retaining coach? I, I know that Giannis is pretty firm in, in his loyalty. He was, he was loyal to Jason Kidd as well when he was there. How do you feel about the Bucks keeping Bud? Do you think it's just because of Giannis? Do you think it's because they believe in his coaching abilities? What's the deal? I think, I mean, it's, it's not an easy, you know, thing to do. It's like, okay, you wipe the slate clean. You know, especially after just trying to find some stability. I mean, the Bucks have been – this is their kind of their glory years of the 21st century by a, a long 
margin. <laughs> um, and just having some stability there, yes. I mean, they have a foundation of, of becoming a playoff team to be reckoned with. They're, you know, 60 win season or close to this year, considering, you know, season was shortened. But there is something there. It's just for whatever reason, whether it's Bud's kind of stubbornness that, you know, trying to play the same way as they do in the, you know, the system and how they do it during the regular season doesn't translate, whatever it is. I mean, trying to, this is an abnormal year. I mean, across many things, but like the fact that there's so many coaching jobs out there and who are you going to get that can kind of, you know, who is the dream candidate that is out there that can really kind of marry both of what the Bucks want to do as like with their identity and, you know, obviously realize their playoffs, playoff aspirations it's not a lot out there. It's guys that are kind of just established, whether it's like Rick Carlisle, Eric Spolstra, Brad Stevens, like goes on and on and on. Um, it's so I, I think it's hard to make that kind of change uh, normally, but when, you know, expectations are the way they have been, you went, you're the one seed the last two years and you just flounder on such a big stage and just, you know, have another playoff collapse like they did, like they did, like, I, I don't know. I think to stay the course, it's great and all, and you obviously want to have it, especially with Giannis a year off for free agency and everything. But you know when playoffs come around next year, whenever they are, it, the same questions are going to be asked of Budenholzer. And, you know, it's eventually that verdict's going to come in. The jury, the jury may be out now for some people, but it's, down, it's eventually going to come in. Right. The frustration's absolutely justified with the lack of – of uh, mixing or I guess adjusting your lineups to the playoffs with, with coach bud. But I mean, you addressed it. Who are they going to go get? I mean, as, as far as established names, I mean, Ty Lue and Mike D'Antoni. And I don't think D'Antoni is going to be your guy in Milwaukee and, and Ty Lue. I don't know how you view him, Jordan, but a lot of people have said, I mean, LeBron James carried him to an NBA title. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like a, I, Billy Donovan is kind of the same way too. So to see him, going to Chicago is kind of like, oh, that's an interesting fit that I maybe don't realize. But Ty Lue's like the same thing as like, I'm not like he, he helped win that, you know, crazy 2016 finals, the way he adjusted it. Obviously there was other circumstances involved into, into that. And he had to, I mean, from all the drama that happened in Cleveland that came out at, that has come out at the time. And even since then, like he definitely made patch things together in a way that, you know, Cleveland, you know, even though they had LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, all this stuff, like he helped get to where they were, to where they are and, you know, win a championship. But it's still like, what is there that kind of translates into this situation? Besides, you know, the speculation about the leading star in Milwaukee and how the parallels with LeBron before he, you know, went to the Lakers. Um, it, so, yeah, it's it's – everybody dreams of that upgrade being there, but you have to kind of just, you know, look at the situation and look at all the other teams that are vying for coaching candidates, including New Orleans. Like it's just, it's, it's, it, it, there's just so much chaos with the playoffs and how they're shaking out. But like just even the teams that are, are obviously now home, including the Bucks, like it's just this weird NBA offseason on top of just the weirdness in general. <laughs> Right. This might be the weirdest NBA offseason to date, at least since the 21st century. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be short. We're getting the draft in, in November, and there's sure to be trades. There's sure to be free agency pickups. 
uh, NBA season 2020 through 2021 is really going to be interesting. And uh, so, so you hit it a little bit, and we've talked about it a little bit here, but uh, Darvin Ham is a well-known assistant, a possible a coaching hire for a lot of teams. Uh, I think he was going to be, if there was one main team that was going to hire him, it was probably going to be the Chicago Bulls. Like you said, Billy Donovan now there. So that's, that's off the, off the market, but Ham Atkinson both have been under coach Budenholzer and those concerns will remain about the uh, indecision or, or lack of making the decision to change your rotations in the playoffs but Ham is in the running for a few NBA coaching jobs, and we talked about him a bit on this podcast, and I wrote an article about him for the Bird Rights on SB Nation. Do you think he'd be a good fit for what the Pelicans want to do going forward and, and with their personnel? I think, he, I think he would. I mean, I don't think it would be largely dissimilar to what Alvin Gentry did. I mean, playing fast is kind of the Bucks' MO. I mean, they were the league-leading team in terms of pace this year. Um, from all accounts, I mean – He's a super well-respected guy um, in the locker room. Obviously, every all players. He's being from. He played in Milwaukee for three three seasons when he was a player. Just kind of like this, you know, part of the homecoming, uh, if you will. When when Bud came around a couple years ago, I just think I think he's gonna be good wherever he goes. I, I know he's been linked to like Philly, Indiana. I think he's one of the many assistant coaches that they're looking at too. I think if if the I don't know, like, where, you know, New Orleans kind of front office is, is kind of viewing their timeline and everything. But, like, if they're kind of looking, you know, build up their their culture and just kind of think, taking more of the long road rather than how they kind of, you know, play – try to play both ends of, like, okay, we're a rebuilding team, but we – you know, they had J.J. Redick, Derek Favors, all this stuff. They kind of reloaded in a way where, like, if all things break right, they could, you know, maybe make the playoffs. That didn't happen. But I think – Ham, I, I, I don't know enough about, like, you know, just his personal tactics and all that stuff. But can, coming from Budenholzer's tree and, you know, he was with the Lakers before that, has some G League coaching experience way back when. I think he would, you know, he's more than deserving of a, of a promotion at this point. And that comes in New Orleans. I think he's well equipped, equipped to, you know, coach Zion whoever else is, you know, around there, if it's kind of, you know, largely the same, you know, the continuities there. Okay, sure. And I, I see him being in that echelon of the Ime Udokas, the Sam Cassell, yeah. the, uh, the, uh, forgive me. I'm, oh, David Vanterpool, that, that mm -hmm. type of coach. And it is, I mean, you, you said it, it is more like more than likely going to be a, a long run sort of thing with the young pieces that they have, the pieces that they got from LA, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo ball, assuming he sticks around after this off season, uh, Zion Williamson, of course, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jackson Hayes, whoever they grab in this year's draft, it is a long run thing. I think, bringing in JJ Redick and bringing in Derek favors was a move to build immediate success as well. I think their, their goal is to really instill some maturity and some leadership into these young guys and gradually build for success into the future. So mm -hmm. ham, Emi Odoka, you know, uh, these guys that I listed, Wes Unsell jr. These are just guys that, that you bring in to build a culture and continue to build towards winning. And, and it sounds like you believe Darvin Ham can do that. Yeah, I, I definitely believe that. Okay. Is there anywhere else that you feel like, you know, that has an opening at the head coaching position? Do you think he'd fit better other than, other than New Orleans? 
I don't really see the Philly one. I know that's kind of, I mean, Philly is just kind of its own opening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Indiana kind of intrigues me just for the fact of, you know, the makeup of their roster. I mean, he, he's done wonders with kind of, you know, helping Brooke Lopez finding his niche in Milwaukee and kind of transforming his game uh, from what I've read and stuff like that. Like, I think, given their kind of front court situation with Sabonis, uh, Miles Turner, even though there's kind of been, you know, trade buzz, speculation, whatever it is. I think he, I think he can maybe give them what they kind of need in terms of meeting, you know, meeting the modern NBA. I know Nate McMillan's always kind of been viewed as like, you know, his teams kind of come together best, better than some of their parts or stuff like that, you know, but I think Indiana is kind of an intriguing job for, from from that perspective. But I think New Orleans is right there with him if, if he's, you know, if he's a part of the coaching search there too. Chances are if he doesn't get hired, he will be hired in the near future for a head coaching position, Will Ham. He's been coaching for a while, been under coaches like George Carl and, uh, oh gosh, who won the title in 2004 with the Pistons? Who was the head coach? Oh, um Larry Brown. Larry yes, Brown. Larry Brown. There we go. That's what you're here for. <laughs> so one more Bucks thing before we get uh, into the Drew Holiday trade talks. We talked a little bit about it with David Ramil of Locked on Heat in our second installment of the Drew Holiday trade series. But he believes that the Heat are going to be making a play for Giannis after this coming season. Do you have a prediction? Does Giannis stick around in Milwaukee after next season? And is it contingent on anything specific? Um, I mean, predictions are very tough these days, especially with how many like Yadis reports that come out, but I, I'm definitely 50-50 at this point. I think there's things that the Bucks have in their favor, just how Yadis is. I mean, people talk about him not being like a normal superstar and, you know, just in terms of his play, that's obviously, you know, (laughs) correct. But I think he is a very loyal person. I think he, you know, the Bucks, it's not like the Bucks are, you know, going first round in the playoffs like they a couple years ago and, you know, quick exit or something like that. You know, they are within reach of, of a title. Maybe depending on your perspective or anybody else's perspective, they might be farther than that than a Bucks fan. Who knows? I mean, they obviously have to make reinforcements this offseason to realize those hopes. But I do feel like he believes enough in ownership and the front office that they will exhaust any and all resources. Obviously, last offseason, there was a sticky point (laughs) with Malcolm Brockton and, you know, the luxury tax and everything like that. But I feel like, you know, this is a place where he's he's backpack MVP. He's, you know, nearly a 30-point-per-game score. Everything has come, you know, been realized when he's, you know, since coming to Milwaukee seven years ago. And I think, you know, obviously teams like the Heat, Raptors, Dallas, I think is going to be in the mix. Obviously, they're they're kind of in position to you know load up with another third star if they want to. Those there's going to be every every team in the league is going to want Giannis, no matter what it is. Some teams are going to be closer to that happening happening with you know how their you know uh, salary cap situation has played out at this point. But I, I do believe that he'll want to make sure if he won't leave any half measures when it comes to trying to win a title in Milwaukee. Um, whether that's signing the Supermax this, this offseason, I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of extension. I know there's different ways that he could sign an extension and kind of play it by year, but 
we'll see. It, it could easily change as, as soon as tomorrow, but he's definitely not going to ask for a trade this offseason. And I, I certainly never expected the Bucks to kind of, even with a year left on his deal, to kind of, you know, explore what could be out there for him because you're never going to get someone of Giannis's value on and off the court. And it just seems it, it wouldn't be prudent on their perspective. Right. And I mean, you hit all the points, but the thing that sticks out to me is, I mean, we've heard, man, he would never leave. And, you know, we talked about LeBron James in that same way, at least when he was young and in Cleveland, because he's from Ohio and, and he is the guy in Cleveland. He's known as the resurrector of the franchise. And hmm. I mean, the thing about Yacht, it just it just appears different, and he has this track record of loyalty, even to Jason Kidd. Like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> yes, that's yes. yeah, that's that's pretty extreme. So, I, I think the the view on on Giannis, or at least the way I see it, is the Bucks are the team that took a chance on him when nobody else did, and nobody else was expected to in the first round of the year that Giannis is drafted and he sees that and he wants to stick around and he, that's where he made all his money and sent money back to his family. And, and we like to view these NBA players as pawns in a big scheme. And, and it's like a game, like we're playing 2k, but they are human beings. And, and Giannis truly has that human being factor, at least when it comes to his loyalty to Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not, I don't want it to make it sound like we're taking him for granted because certainly, I mean, there's there's years of evidence of what Bucks basketball looks like when you don't have a player of Giannis's just, you know, otherworldliness. Um, right. And again, he can, he can always change his mind. We've seen him with guys like LeBron or even Kevin Garnett way back when. Like, loyalty comes with, you know, it gets tested eventually when things kind of take a turn. But I just think... For right now, from where the Bucks have been, and they are, you know, again, it's it's tough to say this after things just collapsed the way they did in the playoffs this year, but they are right there with how they have, you know, built this team around Yada specifically, and just built up their foundation to the point where teams people could talk about talk talk about them as you know a championship caliber team, whether that comes you know is born out on the court that remains to be seen, but. Giannis, I, I think he's not he's not an exception to the rule because he wants to be a, a champion. That he stated that from however many years ago, but um, he definitely wants to see this out in Milwaukee. And I think we'll see what happens with what he commits to or what he doesn't commit to. Well, Jordan, I'm sure we could talk Giannis and the Bucks all day, but let's get into the Drew Holiday trade series. That's what we're doing here tonight as we record this podcast. So ESPN or ESPN Plus, if you look it up right now, neither Jordan or I could find the article once again. I, I saw it on my phone. I got an alert from ESPN Plus, but there was an article that was released yesterday in regards to Drew Holiday being traded to Milwaukee. So that's the first thing we'll talk about here as we're recording this podcast. And that was outlined as uh, Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick in exchange for George Hill and Chris Middleton. So, Jordan, what are your initial thoughts on that trade outlined by ESPN? Certainly an interesting one. I mean, obviously, Drew Holiday speaks for himself, you know, twenty near 20-point-per-game 20 scorer. He's one of the best two-way guys in the league, especially, you know, for a guard. Um, J.J. Reddick, kind of a dream fit for the Bucs since, you know, just good shooter, lights-out shooter, something that the Bucs really need. Um, 
but it obviously comes at a cost with, you know, trading, trading away a guy like Chris Milton, two-time All-Star, nearly got a 50-40-90 season. If you round up, it, it gets there. But, <laughs> you know, that comes at a cost. George Hill has been a fantastic sixth man for them, especially, you know, he finished as the league-leading three-point shooter this year. I mean, in terms of value and just what the, the Pelicans get in return, it's probably the best-case scenario for them um, in terms of what they get back. But I don't. I don't anticipate. I, I wouldn't see if push comes to shove. I wouldn't see the Bucks trade away a guy like Milton, who's you know carved out his knit like his role as being you know the rat to the the Robin to Batman or to Yadis's Batman. Got to got to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I I'm I'm thinking it's the same thing. I you know I, I was kind of shocked. I, my initial thoughts is that it's kind of a lateral move, honestly, for the Bucks. I mean, you get defense from Drew. From what yeah. I've read, I'm not, you know, the biggest Chris Middleton aficionado. From what I've read, he is a solid defender as well. He's obviously longer. He's bigger than Drew. Um, but, but Drew, I don't know that he moves the needle offensively. I think if you add him and retain Chris Middleton, that's kind of the dream scenario for Milwaukee. Uh, Drew is not really a shot creator. Uh, I mean, J.J. is incredible off-screen, catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, obviously, he's one of the greatest three-point shooters, I don't know, in NBA history. And J.J. isn't really going to provide anything on defense. So it looks like a lateral move, at least to me, for the Bucks. Would you agree with that? I, I definitely would agree with that. I think especially what's come out of, you know, in the last, I think, two weeks since the Bucks were eliminated, like – Every all signs point to a playmaker. Drew Holiday is a capable shot creator. Don't get me wrong, but like, you know, the, it doesn't necessarily align like a guy like Chris Paul. But like, obviously, those tra- a trade deal like that comes with a whole different set of complications. It's more you kind of get Drew Holiday with Chris Middleton and Giannis around there, and that kind of you know fits to what they want. Obviously, New Orleans, if you're, that's what you're gonna shoot for. New Orleans is going to want a guy like a you know two-time all-star and all that stuff. Bucks won't necessarily want to give that up, and that's where kind of creating an ideal trade package for Drew Holiday gets really complicated, especially when you know, he's going to be in a lot of demand this offseason no matter what. Right. Well, as far as the Pelican side of things, I would love it. I think Chris is, like you said, going to be the guy that the Pels are going to want in exchange for Drew Holiday. I think Middleton, pairing him with Brandon Ingram, two long guys like that would be really fun. I mean, they're both dynamic scorers, both able to create shots, and then you throw Zion into that dynamic as well. Um, I mean, Middleton can guard the other team's wings. The The pedals are in dire need, much like a lot of other teams are uh, of a 3 and D wing to at least do something against the LeBrons and the Giannis's of the world, you know, this year, the Pels threw Drew Holiday at them and just got eaten alive, despite the fact that Drew is one of the top defenders in the league. Uh, it really came down to team defense. But I really like the tandem of B.I. and Middleton at the wing and get a little bit more small ball play from Zion at the center. I think that'd be really fun to watch for, for Pelicans fans. Yeah, I mean, you just get another playmaker, you know, kind of hub offensively that you would uh, uh, throw on the floor with guys like Zion – Brady Ingram, Lonzo Ball, like that that would be the ideal scenario of just kind of, you know, playing the the way that the I am assuming David Griffin David Griffin wants to play the, with the Pelicans, you know, in the future. 
Right. And we'll see how that goes forward as well with uh, who they hire for their next head coach. Hopefully there's a little bit of an emphasis on defense because there certainly hasn't been the last few years with Alvin Gentry. Now, in terms of adding George Hill, I like that addition as well as, as a veteran point guard who maybe the Pels decide if, the, if they were to acquire George Hill that they can trade and move off of Lonzo Ball this offseason should they decide that. I'd like to keep both on the roster if possible, however you figure that out. But is I, I honest, I genuinely don't know. Is George Hill, is he a good defender? He's, I would say he's a good defender. I think he's more of – He's he's not like a an active defender. Like he's not a guy that will like. I'm trying to think of like, you know, he's not like a, a, a Matisse Tybal where he's like his presence just like no, like just jumps off the screen when you watch him. He's more kind of just the steady. He's very smart, very like switches either one or two, um, and obviously a veteran played has played over ten years or something like that. Like he's he's certainly capable in his own right. I, I obviously I mean Bucks being the best defensive team the last two years like guy a guy like Eric Bledsoe certainly kind of jumps off the screen more than a guy like Hillwood but he's certainly not a slouch on that end I would say sure <clears throat> I like him for his championship experience obviously with the with the Cavaliers and then also made it to the Eastern Conference Finals back in the day with the Indiana Pacers so I I think both editions would be good for for the Pelicans obviously like you mentioned Eric or yeah, Eric Bledsoe. I almost said Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> That's the wrong one. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, his impact on the defensive end, love him there. But like you said, you you get those uh, deficiencies in terms of playoffs, how he plays in the playoffs. Obviously, you kind of got that with the whole of the Milwaukee Bucks this year. But uh, is there another package that, that you like in exchange for Drew Holiday? Maybe another piece or two that you've put together on one of the NBA trade generators? I think – um, I mean, it's certainly a downgrade <laughs> to that ESPN proposal, but financially, I mean, Bledsoe, so, something of Bledsoe, Ursan Ilyasova, and DJ Wilson makes sense financially. Again, a very big step down from going from a two-time All-Star and a you know steady third guard or even second guard, right? Like George Hill, <laughs> but that's I mean, when you're talking about like uh, again from a Bucks perspective and where the Pelicans are at realistically they're going to have so many offers from teams that can, you know, offer better assets, whether it's draft picks and all that stuff. This is kind of the corner that the, the Bucks have, you know, backed themselves into is that things have been so kind of win now, chips have been in the middle of the table and all that, that like a guy like Drew Holiday, if he, if he is truly available this offseason, you know, you're offering up a guy, a package like that where Bledsoe, again, good player. He's, you know, kind of – I'm not going to make the argument that he's better – defensively than Drew Holiday, but you're not losing that much in terms of what you get on the perimeter with Eric Bledsoe, but comes with his own foibles. He's not as good of a shooter. If the Pelicans reach the playoffs, we've seen this story three, three straight years of what, you know, Eric Bledsoe is in the playoffs. Um, that, that's certainly not going to stack up to, I, I can't even think of another team that can, you know, offer a, a better trade package, but it's certainly out there uh, than where the Bucks can give New Orleans. Right. We've talked a lot about the Brooklyn Nets being able to give up quite a bit. Yep. Uh, the, the, it's the yesterday, the 76ers, there's a bunch of different options. Hopefully we'll, we'll be recording a podcast on the Warriors here soon. They could give up a lot, certainly between Andrew Wiggins and that second overall pick. But, um, you know, from, from a Pelicans perspective, a piece that would fit 
real well with what the Pelicans want, at least for right now, is Brooke Lopez. And obviously, with the trajectory of looking forward, the Pels are probably going to be interested in a guy like Dante DiVincenzo as well. Um, if you, what kind of package do you think those two in exchange for Drew or those two plus picks or those two plus another player, what, what makes sense to you from, from a Bucks perspective? If you, yeah, I mean, obviously probably go more Dante in terms of getting a guy that can develop in the future, but, you know, turn into a nice rotational piece for the Bucks this year. Um, I think for salary purposes, it's, it would make sense with Ursan, but I mean, he's the 30, you know, I think 30, he's going to be 33 and just kind of, you know what you get from him, spaces the floor, doesn't play too much out of the stretch four, stretch five kind of box. Um, obviously, you know, they have the 24th overall pick in this draft. I mean, this is kind of where, you know, again, not to repeat myself constantly, but like, <laughs> there, there, there isn't that kind of home run asset for them if you kind of put everything together and you know go for Drew, go go for broke with Drew. You know it'd have to be something like Letso, Urson, Dante package this year's pick that came from Indiana. Um, probably another draft pick in there. You know, future second rounder, first rounder, whatever it is. That would probably be where I'm guessing like the the furthest that they would go. Um, ideally, but you know, if you want to make that true upgrade, you're going to have to probably fork over a little bit more than uh, to get that with you know Drew specifically, or even someone I, I you know maybe Chris Paul. But that's again, that's a whole other ordeal. That's a whole nother podcast, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm a big Ersan Ilyasova guy. That dude is a journeyman, but he brings value wherever he goes. I think he'd be a great spacer for for Zion, especially at the four. Yep. And, um, it, you can keep Brandon Ingram at the three that way and ultimately maybe bring in a vet or, or sign somebody or, or I'm sorry, or uh, go to the free. Oh my gosh, go to the draft and bring <laughs> in a two guard to, to replace Drew in the starting lineup. But yep. it sounds uh, it sounds like you're avoiding the topic of trading Brooke Lopez. Is he a guy that you think the Bucks are, are really wanting to hold on to, at least for the immediate future? I mean, I actually wrote about this today. I think he's probably the most interesting trade ship that they could do, but they really have no solution towards, you know, filling up his spot in the, in the lineup and just kind of overall. I mean, do you play Giannis more at the five? I mean, there's that's that brings out a whole kind of, you know, different set of questions of like, how do you, how does Giannis look at the five? He's He truly is a center in terms of how he plays and how – where all of his points come from. It's obviously just paint or nothing or paint or free throw line, but how they, you know, they've managed to make out the spaced out system. You know, it's, it's not truly five out, but it's something close to it. Um, and I think from that perspective, he's an interesting trade ship in terms of, you know, what he is. He made all defensive team this year. He's truly been, anything, his defense is way better than his offense was until the bubble. Um, and, it, it puts them in, a, in, in quite the bind of, you know, if you put Giannis at the five, what does he look like there in terms of holding up for 36 minutes a night or all that, that kind of just the, the workload questions that come with it, that. But I, I, I certainly see them kind of holding on to him as much as they can in terms of not shaking up their roster too much. But again, what do you, what do you get when you, when you don't fork over someone like Brooke Lopez's caliber or uh, even they believe in Dante, but what if you hold on to him that much? Like, 
what are you what are you truly going to get in return? It's not going to be anything near a, a Drew Holiday, um, you know, on down. Right, and and the thing about this trade package is, I think I've already reiterated this, but uh, I'm going to say it one more time: is that I think the Pels are gonna in, in they're gonna need either Brook or Chris Middleton, and the thing about that is that Brook is probably the most valued center, like like true center in the NBA, I would say, because he fills his role, he can hit a three, he gets boards, he plays defense, he's, he's a vet, he's been around for a long time, he knows what he's doing. And then there's Chris Middleton, who is the all-star. And, I mean, nobody wants to give up all-stars if they don't have to. But then when you look at Drew, and we talked about this in previous podcasts, he is – going to flourish where he is the third option, maybe the second option when he has a really good night because he's been expected to in new Orleans, be the first or second option. Once Anthony Davis left uh, David Griffin, I think he said something to the effect of him being in the MVP running or, or being an all-star or something like that. That was really just out of left field. If, if you've been a Pelicans fan <laughs> for a while, you know that because if he goes to a situation like this and Chris Middleton and Giannis are still around and Drew can be that third option, that is ideal for him. That is where he is going to just flourish because he doesn't have to be vocal. He can just fill his role. He can play defense. And if he has a night where he's hot, the, the Bucks will get him the ball and he'll continue to hit shots. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't lose, again, kind of – I said it from a, a Pelicans perspective, but you're not losing anything defensively with Drew – and, you know, he's not the greatest three-point shooter, but he certainly can hit shots from three. He's a great shot, shot creator. Just kind of this versatile, movable piece in any lineup that you kind of want. I mean, ideally, that's kind of where the NBA is trying to, trying to get there and, you know, a closing lineup. If, you're, if three of your five players in a closing lineup is Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, like, <laughs> that's, you just find two other guys that can space the floor and kind of just play their role and you're golden kind of, you know, that's, that's an ideal, uh, you know, build, building blocks right there. But, you know, just to get to that point of how do you haggle and just kind of, you know, maneuver trade talks and everything. It's, it's certainly not easy from, from a Bucks perspective and just kind of just creates another layer of questions that, you know, over just an un uncertain off season for them overall. Right. You mentioned the the three, basically three-headed monster that would be the Bucks should they be able to get Drew Holiday and retain Chris Middleton and Giannis. And I mean, you look around the league and what other team is really going to be able to field that type of, of scoring ability once once the clock ticks down. I mean, you got the Nets who their third guy is going to be Karis LeVert more than likely in this, unless the Pels trade with, with them and ultimately acquire Karis. And um, I mean, the Raptors have Kyle Lowry, and we saw how awful Pascal Siakam was this year's playoffs. Mm -hmm. Celtics, they've got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and, and Kemba. Obviously, that's that's scary. And then the Warriors will hopefully, well, maybe not hopefully for the NBA, but hopefully for NBA <laughs> fans, be back at full strength this coming season. And who knows what they're going to do with Andrew Wiggins in that second overall pick. Clippers are ugly. Who knows? That I mean – Jamal Murray and Jokic and I guess Jeremy Grant is their third guy in Denver now. But um, I think <clears throat> should the Bucks make that move and, and have those three guys on the floor all at the same time, they really could be scary and, and scarier than what they have been. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, everything can turn on a dime. I mean, the East kind of, you know, the, the Nets are right there with just kind of hiding in plain sight of what they look like. I mean, there's certainly questions about what Kevin Durant will look like after his Achilles injury, but he's still, a, you know, a surefire Hall of Famer, MVP caliber player that it doesn't, you don't have to have to have so much imagination to imagine things work out smoothly over there. Um, and Toronto's kind of in this interesting spot again. They're, you know, they, they've certainly positioned themselves to be in, in the running for Giannis if he elects free agency and goes through with that. But like, what, what do they look like next year? It kind of just seems they obviously have a big question with Fred Van Vliet. What, what is, what do they do this off season? I mean, it's, it's kind of in this weird, uh, this kind of pattern, things could kind of easily tip in, in a, in a very, uh, you know, different way in terms of, it's already kind of top heavy, but the powers that kind of are, you know, and how, how everything's situated right now can easily, you know, the bucks were at the, at the top of it, you know, in terms of record wise for the regular season, but you could easily see that changing next year with Brooklyn, Boston, Heater right there, obviously, you know, they're still playing for their playoff lives and championship hopes. Um, you know, so it's it's certainly an interesting spot to see where the Bucks are in terms of building out their their team and just the rest of the NBA. To summarize, Pelicans and Bucks fans, Jordan and I have no freaking idea. <laughs> <laughs> that much I don't, is clear. <laughs> right, I don't think anybody does at this rate, but but we'll see what happens. And I'm sure Jordan and, and everyone over at Win and Six Podcast will be giving you reactions just like we will here at Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Jordan, before we go, or before we let you go, could you let us know how can we find your writing? How can we listen to your podcast? How can we follow you on Twitter as well? Yeah, just you can follow me at Jordan Tresky, T-R-E-S-K-E. Um, my writing you can find at uh, uh, Behind the Buck Pass. It's at Behind the Bucks, part of the Fan Side Network. Winning Six podcast I do with Adam McGee. Um, been doing that for over like five years and running over 300 episodes, something crazy like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's where you can find my work and the rest of the team there at uh, Behind the Buck Pass and just everything like that, just, you know, on the, on the Bucks 24-7, obviously. Awesome. There you go. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.